for everybody that's listening, know that there are more answers than you have questions. There are more solutions than you have problems. And you really can challenge convention and find new opportunities and thrive in any market condition. It's possible. Are there challenges? Heck yes. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't become this size with a bald head of hair because life has been easy. <laughs> you know, it's because you learn through those challenges and the challenges create champions. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Welcome, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building the Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity, really, and I, I really do see it as an opportunity. I thoroughly enjoy the conversations with business leaders, with influencers, people like that, in really the entrepreneurial kind of growth-oriented space that we're all dealing with, but just hearing their stories of both challenges and successes as they've grown their business, because honestly, I've, it's always been interesting, and I've said it before, that as many times as we hear similar themes on the show, everybody's coming at this from a different perspective, a different angle. So it's always interesting to get new stories around that. But today's guest with me here is Paul Daniels here with Intelligent Contacts. So Paul, first off, welcome to the show and thank you for taking a few minutes out of your morning here to talk with us. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, Long time listener, first time guest. Yep. Well, we appreciate it for sure. So yeah, we were talking beforehand, and I think you were probably one of the few that have gone through all the videos and everything on the, the on the guest intro side. So thank you for that, but always enjoy the feedback. So always kind of jump in here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, about what you got, what your role is today, what you got going on today. Yeah. So uh, I'm the in, uh, Chief Revenue Officer for Intelligent Contacts, um, and that's uh, my day job. I love it. And um, I'll tell you more about the company uh, as, a, as we go along. Uh, when I, in my spare time, I also have a, a strategic advisory firm where we advise uh, clients on uh, creative problem solving and uh, solution creation. And then uh, on my spare, spare time, I do some public speaking. So I don't sleep very much, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do that when I'm dead. True. Yeah. Now I was looking at your profile. I guess we talked early on. I was like, okay, there's three, four companies here listed with what, how are you finding time for all this? Yeah. It, so, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great fun um, uh, life that I'm living. I'm really blessed to have it. And uh, uh, like I said, you know, sleep is uh, sleep is something that's overrated in my life. At least. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that's still one of the things of taking care of yourself supposed to be pretty high up there, but yeah, as long as you can do it, then great. Yeah. So Take us first, I'm going to say, I'm going to actually pull a little bit of a left turn here on you right now with the, the side projects. I kind of think that ties back into, or I want to see a tie, see how it ties back into your, your current company and everything. But you, we were talking early on about the, uh, looking at the, I think you called it peak results was the company, but basically looking at how dyslexia can tie in and, and really expose other points of view or other, other vision elements that a lot of times entrepreneurs kind of struggle with, really. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I started um, Peak Results in 2007 at the request of some uh, clients that I'd, I'd worked with, uh, and it is, it's still going. 
Um, I just choose the number of clients that I can take on in any given year when I'm working for a company. Um, and But the, um, the impetus of, of peak results started much earlier. Um, gosh, I was very young when I realized that I think differently than other people do. Uh, coming up with ideas and solutions and new products and, and all kinds of things was very natural for me. Uh, reading, on the other hand, was not. <laughs> and, um, and as I grew up, what I realized later in life is, is, is that I am dyslexic. I learned that um, when I was 40. Uh, and I learned that because of our daughter. Uh, she was having similar difficulties. Uh, I didn't know it was dyslexia. She got diagnosed and they asked me if I wanted to get diagnosed. So I, I did the same thing. So you know, fast forward from you know, 35 years to my age 40, and I realized, oh, that's why I do what I do. But in, in the, uh, the dyslexic world, there's a, there are these skills that come natural. They are, you're born with them. And uh, they have a lot to do with uh, solutions of problem solving and reading uh, uh, body language and environments and connecting dots and so on. Uh, a study was done by the World Economic Forum uh, several years ago that described the skills that would be needed in 2025 for the work that is, is going to happen then. Uh, Ernst & Young, or EY, took that study and also looked at it and categorized these skills and realized that of the top, whatever, 10 skills that are needed, eight of those are, are innately found within dyslexics. Uh, and those 10 skills are, are not found very much at all within the workforce. And so it, it kind of spurred me on to, to jump in full force. And, and during my speaking, I, I do keynote addresses. We talk about um, the powers of dyslexia, but more importantly, how people that are not dyslexic can learn those skills and use them in their businesses. So uh, it's, it's fascinating for me to see the light bulb go on for other people because the light bulb has been on, you know, for me my whole life and to be able to show them how um, to do that. I've developed some, some techniques and whatnot to teach what is now coined peripheral thinking, which is a part of uh, the way dyslexics think. So that's yes. kind of how it all started. And that's part of what I do in, um, in my, uh, my advising uh, capacity at uh, Peak Results. That's interesting because yeah, I saw a couple of presentations over on your your LinkedIn profile, and it's it's definitely unfortunately more than we can dive in here, but still no, sure. it's 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 very interesting kind of a thing the way you're turning all that and because really that whole the idea like you're saying about seeing bigger problems, seeing bigger solutions, taking it apart kind of a thing there can be some of the the challenges that I see a lot of people facing that they're we get so tunnel vision and on the specific trees kind of thing there we don't see the bigger bigger picture that. Yeah. That's What's going on in the business? And, and it's for everyone. Uh, it's, it's for every business. I, I, I can't turn it off, so I use it every day uh, at Intelligent Contacts and thinking about how we overcome challenges, how we grow, how we move to the next level and using the, uh, the skills from peripheral thinking uh, allows me to grab solutions and ideas and um, uh, previous thoughts uh, and that have been proven and and combine those in unique ways to address a given challenge in this industry. You know, I've, I've been really, really blessed that uh, over the last 40 years, I've 
worked in uh, with clients in 21 industries, 26 countries, uh, and you know we've I've closed a, a billion dollars, just reached a billion dollars this year in um, in personal you know revenue that's been generated. Yeah, uh, that's not to say that I'm the best at by any stretch. Um, <laughs> I still love learning, and uh, I really love sharing what I've learned. For those that are interested, you can take it for what it is. Uh, whether you like it or not, that's great. And if it works for you, outstanding. And if it doesn't, keep trying other opportunities and other people. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So taking that back to two intelligent contacts, I know we had said you didn't, you weren't actually in on the the ground floor necessarily with them. Right. You'd only come in a few years a uh, few years ago. So what is that? I guess tell us a little bit more about that history. What what was going on with that when you came, and how have you kind of applied some of this two intelligent contacts there in your your years with them? Yeah. Yeah, um, what a great company! Uh, I, I I absolutely love it here, and that's not a pitch for our company. That's just you know when you find a culture where uh, you you fit in and you you see what you're bringing to the table and how it's helping um, our clients uh, and so on. It's it's terrific. So when I I joined uh, Intelligent Contacts 2018, I'm still you know using the strategic advisory firm doing that, and uh, and when I came in. The previous 12 months at Intelligent Contacts had been focused specifically on on shoring up our solutions and our infrastructure to make it future-proof so that it was completely scalable and and all of those good things. And really had not been selling, actively selling for that year leading up. So when I joined the company, I was really starting from scratch. So I focused in on four areas to um, to kind of reignite sales and uh, and reignite revenue growth for the company. Um, those four were our core values, which are super important. And I'll explain more if you're interested in how um, how to apply core values to different parts of the company. Uh, we needed to increase our market awareness. That was the second one. Obviously, I needed to build a revenue engine which was the third. And the fourth is our client satisfaction and referenceability. No, that makes sense. And uh, it's it's, um, bringing those experiences from all of those clients in 21 industries, 26 countries, and all of those good things. uh, And the stuff that I continue to learn every day and and, uh, seeing where existing solutions, existing approaches apply, and then folding those into the the culture of the company to obviously to move it forward. Yeah. A lot of, so a lot of different paths there I could go down. Um, but I'm, I'm curious when you're talking about, because I, I get it a lot of times with my coaching that you'll go into a company and they'll say, well, we're in this industry. You don't know this industry. You've had expertise or you're working or whatever over here. What have, what's your, what's been your finding in working with, like you said, 21 different industries about differences in business versus uniqueness kind of a thing there. How, how have, have they all been unique in their own way or, or has it been a lot of parallels that you're seeing? Yeah, uh, frankly, I, I see a lot of parallels and that's because of the, of the exposure. It's not, um, it's not because I'm a brainiac or, or anything like that, but when you expand your your periphery you know you know what the periphery is right so it's the the sides of your of your vision if you look in those directions that's more peripheral awareness and when you get into the periphery i.e another 
industry or multiple industries, especially those that you think have nothing to do with yours, the things that you can learn are, are fascinating. And, and given time, we can do a little exercise, but the point is that, that all companies, for-profit, not-for-profit, even government entities, we all, um, we all exist to serve to serve our constituents, our clients, our consumers, their consumers, the supply chain, whatever that is. And yes, there are some truths that are applied, that can be applied across a variety of industries. You can, you can look at just-in-time inventory, which really is an old version of, you know, of manufacturing from the 50s and 60s that is applied today in uh, finance, in even in healthcare, right? So I need the right I need the right people to be in the emergency room at the right time, given the experiences that we've had uh, for a full moon on a Tuesday in the middle of the summer. There's more people than normal, right? So that's the same process of just-in-time inventory as resource planning for a healthcare uh, hospital or, or facility. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I'll see. Even like the the story of lean manufacturing that came out yeah. of Toyota, it was always popularized with Toyota way back when. That's crept into so many different industries just in terms of the process improvement and keeping things aligned like that. So yeah, it's it's things like that that you're not necessarily the same as another industry, but you can definitely learn from other industries like that for sure. Absolutely, and and vice versa. So I can take uh, the team, uh, an emergency room team that is um, that is singularly focused on a patient and re resuscitating that patient, for instance. Um, there are no, uh, well, wait, I've got to do this process. I got to follow it. No, they're all focused on, on that. If you take that team approach, and it was, um, uh, there's a great book called Team of Teams. If you take that team approach and apply that to a highly structured um, maybe siloed environment, regardless of the size of the company, it will start to break down the barriers and and speed up processes. So um, the, the you know the return is the same. So all I think all industries have something to give to all other industries. Yeah, no, I, I would agree there for sure. So then the other one I want to touch on, you, you mentioned, obviously, the core values kind of a thing. And I've run into a lot of business owners, a lot of people that look at core values. And well, it's it's a mission statement. It's something up on the wall kind of a thing. It's up on the website and it's it's words up there kind of a thing there. It sounds like you probably obviously tying that into sales and the product development view that a little bit differently. So I'm curious what your what your view is on, on core values concept and yeah. how you see that really working at a deeper level. Yeah, I couldn't agree more that core values need to be lived out every day. They're not just words on a wall. In fact, we don't have them on a wall. Um, interestingly enough, at Intelligent Contacts, we have a monthly all-company meeting, and and we're spread out throughout the country. And we've got um, offices in Europe, and so when we're all on and we're on the Zoom on our our monthly Zoom call, we recite the four key um, uh, core values, uh, and they're short. And so it's um, authenticity, all in together, yes, and what if, right? Short, but there are lessons around all of those. Yep. So when I came in in 2018, you know, the core values um, were really being focused on how to be all in together 
in shoring up and future-proofing our solutions. We were authentic saying, here's what's working, here's what's not. We are an authentic individual and an authentic company. Um, and so we're very focused on the solutions. Uh, yes and is a terrific um, way of saying, okay, so yes, I acknowledge what you're saying and I'd like to build on it instead of saying, nah, it's not such a great idea. It comes from, um, uh, from comedy clubs and improv is, the, is the, that idea of yes and. And then what if is the ideas that people may not be willing to, but now have the right to or, or are encouraged to say, well, what if this, or what if we did that? So again, it was all focused on the, not all, but mostly focused on the, the products and solutions. And, and then coming in, <clears throat> as we confirmed that, yes, we do have this platform for the next decade or two, and, and yes, all of these things are moving in the right direction, it was helping people apply those core values as filters for revenue generation. So um, we're all in together. So now we're all in together on revenue generation. We're all in together on, um, on client satisfaction. We're all in together on, uh, on our partners and our revenue engine. Um, we're authentic about what we believe is and isn't working. Yes, and that's a great idea. And could these um, things be helpful for our existing clients and our prospects or a new industry? And what if? What if we had certain things happen or what if we could affect a given industry? How would we go about doing that? So it was same filters, just different content going through those filters. And that's a bit of a, it's a, not a paradigm shift, but it's certainly a, um, a slight change in focus. No, and it makes sense. And the fact that you've got, I was, <laughs> I was watching to hesitate for a second. It's like, oh, are you going to forget one of one of the four kind of a thing there? But it's the the fact of having everybody on the same page that okay, yes, this is the four key values. Yes, we're we're staying focused on that, keeping that that in mindset with with everything we've got going on. I suspect kind of ties into the the cultural aspects of the company there as to making sure again everybody's aligned on what the values are and working towards that. But how does that? How does that equate, I guess, more towards the day-to-day in terms of a, a person out making sales calls or a person doing customer service or a person, I would say, you're not necessarily doing manufacturing, but even development kind of a thing there. It's, it's, it's software side and stuff like that. How, do you, how does that. how do you see that equating from the high level of saying, yes, we've got these four points here now down to making them, them actionable at that point? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, so uh, our leadership meeting, uh, every Tuesday morning, we go through and we're talking about where each of the organizational departments are, uh, are, are going, what they're doing, um, the help that's needed and so on. So for instance, this afternoon, I've got um, a, a meeting with a potential partner, a channel partner for us. Um, because we're all in together, there are certain things that I believe need to happen during this meeting that perhaps I'm not the best person to present or to give that information. And so because we're all in together, I can tap into someone else and say, are you available for this? So they can, they now have accepted they're joining this meeting because we're all in together. It's used as a filter. Um, be, we're going to be authentic. Um, and so we, what we do is use these four core values as filters for decision-making, uh, for um, setting 
strategy and direction and we use them as our it's just it's the way we are it even drives our culture for setting up an all company you know uh, activity like a, a holiday party or something like that is everyone going to be included that means all in together are making it easy for people to just be themselves and be authentic um, are there opportunities for them to interact and say hey that's a neat uh, thought yes and i had a similar experience and is there an opportunity that in that holiday party for people to to riff on each other's ideas and just enjoy and say well what if what if yeah. we got another plate of nachos and did another uh, you know did another frame of of bowling or you know we we stayed an extra hour then <laughs> played top golf whatever that is right so it's funny how it can be apply across and we've made it such that it applies to everything we do and it's the filter for uh, nearly every decision that we make throughout the day and and really strategic decisions too. Yeah, I, I don't know if you were involved with it. I was say probably the installation process or starting to get people to start thinking that way is a little bit challenge up front, but getting to this point where basically, like you said, it's just ingrained. It's, it's the way you think, it's the way, that, that's just the way the company is kind of a thing. You almost don't even have to think about it anymore. You don't have to think about, okay, are we, are we lining up with our core values? It just, it just is. Yep. Developing those is, uh, it was part of, uh, I should say, refining the core values happened after I came in. And so it's become, it's been become very crystal clear. And it's something that uh, would happen in 2018. And I don't see us doing much more refinement on that for many years to come. So um, it, it's, yeah, it has now become who we are. Yeah. At first, it, it defined what we wanted to be. So, I take that one step further. Do you have any kind of any your role or anything involved with uh, new new people coming on board, new team members hiring, anything like that? And sure. if so, does that tie into what? How does your core values or anything tie into into that process with right. new people, new new employees, or even vendors or yeah. like you're saying channel partners, things like that? How how does that apply or does it apply outside the company? It's uh, uh, for new employees, uh, for partners. Uh, for channel sales, for uh, new employees that's across the company, it's the first five slides of their onboarding <laughs> for everyone. So we start with, here are our core values before we even start with, here's what we do as a company. Here's who we are as a company is first. Here's what we do as a company is second. Here's where you and your position and your, your function fits within the uh, the overall direction of the company that's third and then we get into some more of the specifics yeah yeah it's it's interesting i actually one of the one of the tools one of the systems i'm working with people on is 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 the people side and it's looking at those core values but it's really determining what your it's it's a jim collins thing but what's your a b and yeah. c players are on your team kind of a thing and it was interesting that i saw just an article the other day saying you really don't want a team full of a players but they were looking at it, A players, as kind of the uh, the sports analogy. Hey, the the prima donna kind of people that hey, I'm great on skills, I'm great on execution. But the other piece, and it sounds like you've got it kind of placed in there, is the culture, the core values. That yes, you got to be great, very productive, able to execute, but you've also got to exhibit the core values, exhibit the part of the culture, and it's the combination of the two that really make that true A player. And from that perspective, I would say 
you don't want anything but A players. If you can, A players or at least A potential that you can coach up to be that point kind of a thing there. It's like, why would you want somebody on your team that didn't exhibit your core values right there, that didn't right. fit in your culture? Yeah, you're, you're spot on with that. Um, uh, th- that is also part of the way that we, um, we score people when they come go through the interviewing process and candidates come in and we evaluate them and spend time with them. Um, the core values are part of that. Um, not to say that people have to know that, but can they ad- adapt to that? If they are a um, very much a, uh, an individual contributor that likes to do everything and then present and, and, and present a perfect solution, um, that's probably not the right fit for us. Um, there are other companies that prefer people to be completely uh, autonomous and do their work, that's great. Um, we're not saying that everybody wants to be in your business, but there are a number of 60 people here that have experiences that can contribute. And so um, there's nobody, there's no islands uh, in the company. Then yeah, everybody's is contributing. Doesn't mean that we're all doing everyone else's jobs. It's just that we want that collective to continue to grow that collective knowledge and experience base to grow because it, it, powers our company to come out with just awesome solutions for our clients and for our industry. No, and it, it makes sense. And it to me, it goes back to where we kind of started of saying, while yes, there's commonalities between all industries and things like that and the way business is done, lessons learned, et cetera, you can still put on and should really put on your own uniqueness on top of that of, yeah. like you said, this is the way our culture, this is the way we're going to build things doesn't necessarily make it right or wrong for somebody else. It just means this is the way we are. If somebody else has got a different perspective on that, more power to go build their own, their own core values, the way they want to, or their own culture, the way they want to build their company kind of a thing there. But that's, to me, that's where you add your uniqueness on top of it at that point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You've got it exactly right, Jeff. So I'm curious with kind of taking that back, what's the, what's the, the future kind of a thing look like? What's, what's the direction right now with, uh, intelligent contacts. What are you trying to, since it sounds like you've kind of got this foundation laid out here over the, the last two, three years now, what's, what's, what's the bigger goal? What's the bigger picture look like? Yeah. Yeah. So i uh, really passionate about um, expanding the, uh, the peripheral thinking to, uh, to more of our clients uh, at intelligent contacts and helping them um, an experience. So, in 2020, we don't need to revisit 2020. Everyone knows what happens, right? So if you're listening to this podcast, I promise I'm not going to go there and I'm not going to go through the litany of things that everybody wants to go back to. It was hard. We get it. Okay. However, during that time, you know, as I said, the four focuses that I started with, one of those was client satisfaction and referenceability. And because we had some challenges um, with uh, our partners, white labeling our solutions for you know five years, some of these clients didn't even know who we were. So you know over the last several years, we've spent time getting to know them and, and really understanding uh, their business and their own unique desires. Not everybody wants to be huge or small or growing or stable or whatever. So when COVID hit, there were a couple of things that we did. First, we we're in a position that we were able to give some financial aid. So we helped some of our clients um, uh, overcome the concerns about revenue. Uh, And then 
then we didn't sell anything. Then we continued to meet with them. And we wanted to meet with them as much as they were open to. And those that we built strong relationships were with, I was speaking to a couple of them, you know, every week, every few days. And as I was speaking with one, you know, we had transitioned all of their people remote because our solution is web-based. So that made it very easy. We, thousands of people were transitioned in less than two weeks. It just, you know, kind of, we and it was them. We flipped the switch and they were ready. Yeah. Uh, and and I was speaking with this owner and he was saying, you know, their uh, clients were healthcare. And of course they weren't getting as much work from the healthcare um, accounts receivable group because of COVID. Um, but he still had people that were working it. And as we just talked through it, I said, you know, from a business perspective, I know that the hospitals are overwhelmed. And in fact, I know that the switchboard is overwhelmed. And because that switchboard is overwhelmed, not everybody can get through and you know, long wait times. And how can I get in? Can I talk to my, my parent that's in you know, ICU or whatever that is? I said to this person, we'll say his name is John. John, uh, you're, you've got a staff that is, that is a call center staff that is really well skilled at taking phone calls. And really that switchboard has about eight standard questions that are being asked that you guys can do all day, every day. Now, when it becomes specific, then they can, it could go to the hospital. Said, Man, Paul, that's a, that's a great idea. And so he, on a dime, he turned, went back to his, his healthcare clients and said, okay, here's what we, we want to do. If you're open to it, have the calls first come to us. We'll script it so that we know the answers. You know, we'll work together, have all those answers. And if it doesn't fit in any of those specific requests from the caller, we will do a hot transfer to fill in the blank, to the yep. receptions, to whatever department, right? That particular company grew 50%, 50% uh, 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 ARR, annual revenue, um, from April to December. They grew 50% from April to December with just that. And there was not a single thing I sold. I was just sharing an idea of something that I'd learned from another industry and how things kind of move around and how you can step in front of a you know, speeding train or step in front of a bullet, take one for the team and keep the rest of the team alive. So it, it took off a lot of burden from the hospital switchboard, which allowed them to really handle deals uh, people calling in that were specific for them. And it also helped our client then secure an even stronger position with their, uh, their hospital clients. Well, it's that, and it's, it's, it's that relationship building kind of a thing there. Cause you never necessarily know where that's going to turn out that right. obviously you've built a lot of goodwill with that client, whether they come back to you for more business on their side or whether they refer you off or whatever. Most of the time that does come back, not necessarily immediately, but that's kind of the, the sales mentality, or at least the old sales mentality of, hey, everything's just about a sale. Can I close a deal? Can I get right. five more bucks out of this deal kind of a thing there versus if you can step back and say, hey, really build the relationship there with, with clients, with vendors, such that when something like COVID does happen, hopefully not again, but still even smaller scale things like that, right. you've got that goodwill bank kind of built up that if you need to go back to them and ask for a favor or vice versa, kind of a thing there, that that, that trust factor, that relationship's always built up. So yeah, yeah, to me, that's, and it even goes beyond to me, 
all the way back into the core values of saying, okay, just because you're not in sales, maybe you're in customer service, maybe you're in whatever other department, you've still got your own circles around you. So the fact that if if you're bought into the culture of the company here, you're still exhibiting that kind of outward aspect of the company right there in your own circles and effectively being a an ambassador of sales there for the entire team. So it's it's not just the the sales team or the marketing team and in, in my perspective there. Absolutely. You know, you're you're spot on. And and the purpose of of that story was to explain how um, taking this peripheral thinking and uh, ideas from other industries and just applying that in an authentic way that shows that I'm all in together with my client is a, a way to um, to genuinely grow the business. So as as that's happening, who do you think is asking for more advice and for potentially more solutions? Right, it's it's that client. Yep, and dozens more just like them that we had similar kinds of conversations with. Maybe not the same exact solution or idea or recommendation or advice, but it was the same uh, for any small business or medium business. It doesn't for any business. Uh, the the clients are are everything, right? We, yeah. we don't exist without them. Even in nonprofit, even in government, without constituents, without um, donors, without people in need, we we have no business. So um, yes, our people are very important and our clients are super important. And we have to deliver those um, the pro- on our promises, which means that our solutions are super important. They've gotta be reliable and they have to deliver. Um, it's the same thing that I've, I've been doing for 40 years. And it was what I did when I started my first company at 25. It was all about you know, the, end, the end buyer and the people that were distributing the solution. No, it really is. And it's 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 a perfect point right there that, okay, without them, without that, there is no business at this point. We're, even whether it's a nonprofit, we're still in business to generate funds for whether it's, again, regardless of where those funds are going kind of a thing there. That's, it's still business on either side. I think we had, we had talked about that one a while back before. But yeah, so yep. um, unfortunately, it was sad. I'd love to keep talking and everything. And I do <laughs> want to come back to where we can get some more information on the the uh, the peripheral thinking kind of a thing because I'm I'm curious personally kind of thing there but um always like to kind of come back and, and ask one question or kind of wrap up one way to say yeah. if you were to look back at the last three years the last twenty years whatever direction you want to say and say okay if there was one or two things that pop up that if I just tried this sooner or done this sooner known this sooner things might have been at least differently or moved along faster kind of a thing does anything come to mind there. Oh, absolutely. So the two companies that I've owned um, and the different organizations that I've worked for and those companies that I sit on board of advisors, uh, the, the thing that, that I have learned is ask for help. Seek advice. Uh, there's a, an old proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, take others. Yep. Um, and, and I also, I know, I've done the alone thing, my first company. And the reason that I sold it was because I didn't know how to grow it. I didn't, and, and I wasn't asking the questions, how do I make this? And how, how do I, um, how do I get more, uh, reps? How do I, um, how do I find financing? How do I do, you know, I'm 25 and I'm living out of my car part of the time working construction on the side. So, you know, and I was invincible. And the company did real well, but and then I sold it 
to the guy who was running marketing for me. Uh, and they just, you know, they went through the roof because he knew all of those and he knew how to ask questions. So asking questions and asking for help um, is, is kind of a two-part answer. And the first part is asking for help. The second is asking questions. And when you're asking questions, ask anyone anything. Ask the, um, the, the, the server at your restaurant how they got into the business. How did they become a server? What are they doing in their life now? Amazing the things that you can learn from just asking people about themselves. Yeah, no, it really is. And honestly, it goes back to exactly one of the key reasons we even started the podcast was I just, I love hearing the stories because like yeah. you said, everybody's got a little bit different twist on it. Everybody's got a little different take, but that that concept right there is is really obviously the key to my practice, but even the key to the podcast right there is it's all about giving back, giving help right there, giving ideas because- yeah. Even, even if the difference of the business being just you versus the business being 100 people, being at the top, being at the leadership team, is even but even being the CEO can be a lonely place because like, okay, I don't have I don't have the peers next in the next cube over here that does the mm -hmm. same job that I can go ask about this. It's all of a sudden you're you're tasked with a whole lot more at that point and trying to figure out where do I turn? <laughs> COVID just hit, et cetera. What are we going to do? How are we going to pivot? Right. And there's a whole bunch of other business leaders out there in that same position there. But yes. if we try to, it's, it's always fun. You, I, we put it as the, the, the Facebook idea or the social media idea that there's this front that everything's perfect. Everything's uh -huh. business is great. Everything's great behind the scenes. We know that it's really not, but because we don't let that guard down because we don't ask for help at that point, right. you never get the help obviously. And, and you, and you struggle with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for, for your listeners, um, if you're in the, uh, in the accounts receivable management industry or healthcare, or you've got a group of people that are trying to, um, to deal with increasing accounts receivable or decreasing client satisfaction, consumer patient satisfaction. Um, it tells you contacts is a, has a terrific solutions, group of solutions that are easy to use that, um, that are very powerful communication payment solutions. And we believe that the, it's something that you, that can help if that's something you're interested in, and we'll be the first one to say we're not right. We, we take our responsibility seriously, so you'll never get a, a pitch from us without first us understanding what, what, if anything, we can do to help. And on the consulting side, on, you know, the peak results are speaking, you know, if you're a company that's really struggling and you've, you've stalled on your revenue, you're not meeting your goals, or you have um, you have dreams that have kind of fallen short. You really want to innovate instead of just iterate. Uh, talk to me, L just reach out to me and I'm, I'm happy to, to chat with you. And if we don't talk for everybody that's listening, know that there are more questions, there are more answers than you have questions. There are more solutions than you have problems. And you really can challenge convention and find new opportunities and thrive in any market condition, it's possible. Are there challenges? Heck yes. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't become this size with a bald head of hair because life has been easy. <laughs> you know, it's because you learn through those challenges and the challenges create champions. So, so um, reach out and know that uh, I'm, I'm here to help if I can. 
And if not, know that there are lots of people out there that are willing to help. And you can succeed without question in any in any market condition, including COVID or financial recess, recession or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's we're obviously talking about COVID and everything right now, but there's there's always challenges. It's, it's, there will be more to come. Yeah, business is never it's never a nice smooth climb right there. There's there's always peaks and valleys that you got to get through. But it's um and we'll get the links right here with it. But it's intelligent with a T contacts. That's one of those you tie it together as intelligence or intelligent. But yeah, it's intelligent with a T. So we'll get that there. And yeah, definitely. I like I said, I saw some of the the videos, some of the keynotes already, but. Definitely interested in, in learning some more there on the, the peripheral thinking concept, because that's one I haven't heard before. And it's it's definitely sounds very interesting. So I appreciate the bit of insight there. And then, like I said, sure. we'll get some links there and send some more people your way for, for questions there, because I like I said, I know I'm right in that boat as well. So absolutely. I'm, I'm part of your community. And so I love listening to the podcast. You've got it's some just wonderful people on and I'm honored that you would include me. And I think the world of the community that you've built, because um, it's it's uh, it's thriving and, uh, and I just love it. So yeah. kudos to you for what you've done and what you continue to do. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, it's fun. But yeah, thank you very much and appreciate your insight as well here. So you're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.